Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Two Gals and a Mic podcast. I'm your host, Sue Curver, and today I have the honor of chatting with a woman who has spent the last 23 years saving lives. Carrie Fuller is a first responder, a paramedic, a yoga instructor, and a full-time mom to two kiddos. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited that you're here. So women like you always amaze me because you have so much going on. And I'm always curious to know, like, how do you balance being a busy mom of two kids who, by the way, are quickly approaching teenagehood with like long shifts at work, with teaching, with providing peer support for people whom you work with? How do you do it? It is a balance for sure. It takes a lot of coordination and organization, which I am not great at, but my little planner and calendar is definitely what saves me some days to remember where I need to be when. I do 48 hour shifts. So when I'm at work, I'm at work. And then when I come home, I'm able to at least turn the job off and focus on the family, which is nice for those four days that I'm off. So you're on shift for two full days, and then you come home and you're off shift for four days? Yes. Uh, It's worked great, especially while the kids were younger. Uh, When the kids were babies, I actually worked nights on the ambulance. So then I was home during the day when they were awake. And then when they were sleeping, for the most part, I was at work so that I didn't feel like I missed a bunch. And now the kids are starting to get that age, though, that they have a lot of activities going on. And so I'm looking at making that transition to kind of an office position with my department or something so that I can be off nights and weekends when they have stuff going on now that they're in school full time and being gone during the day wouldn't be as big a deal. But it has been able to have my career kind of ebb and flow and change along with how they've grown and changed, which has been a great part of this career. So 23 years, 23 years you've been doing this and you actually started out by going through Fire Academy and you started out as a firefighter. How did you choose this path? It kind of chose me. It was never in my ideas of what I was going to do after high school. I don't have anybody in my family that's first responders, but one of my best friends at high school was. And so I was hanging out at the local volunteer fire department and the chief was like, well, you might as well join if you're going to be here all the time. And they put me through fire academy and through EMT school. I found more of a passion for the EMT medical side of it. I did ambulance full-time for over the last 20 years. And when I started, I even still said like, I'm just going to do this for a little while while I figure out what I'm going to do with my life. I didn't think I would be a paramedic. And then I happened to have a female paramedic I worked with who was kind of a mentor to me. And I was like, oh, she's kind of a badass. And I was like, I, I can do this. Like she can balance being a woman and doing this job and having a family. And I didn't think that was like a possibility. Uh, back then it was still a very male dominated career, especially the fire side of it. So to see that was definitely what intrigued me. I was like, oh, I could do this. So I've managed to make it work for obviously the 23 years now. Well, and I'm glad that you brought that up because that's one thing that I wanted to do a deep dive into is what is it like being a woman in, as you said, a very male dominated sector. I mean, I know for myself being in the Coast Guard, there were times where I was one of few women. I have my own stories in that regard, but I'm curious from your perspective, what has it been like? It has its struggles for sure. Even now I'm still one of three women on our department out of 70. So it's still not very many. There's definitely more and the younger guys coming in are more open to it. The older guys, it's just a culture they grew up with the good old boys club and so I faced a lot of that of you can't do this you won't be able to you're not strong enough girls are too emotional all of those things that we all hear and so then you're trying to swing the other way too much if I won't show any emotion and I'm going to be super tough well that doesn't work for us either it's not what we are we are women we are different took a long time for me to be okay with 
showing that. Uh, a lot of it actually was having a daughter of my own. And I think of like, what would I want to show her? And I want to show her that you can balance all these things and you can be a woman in a male dominated career and still show tenderness and kindness and all those strengths that you have as a female. And it's actually a benefit. And I've had guys now over the years, you're like, so glad you were there. Like that patient needed that kind of care, whatever that meant from a female, but it just is different. And so there are strengths we have and strengths they have in the job. And so finding that collaboration between us. Okay. So you have to have a story where someone told you, you won't be able to, or you can't. Is there anything that stands out where someone said that to you and you were like, oh, let me show you. And it spurred you on and motivated you to do something. When I started as a career firefighter was the hardest because you have to do the physical agility test. And I had just had my son. So I was not in the best of shape, just having given birth, but I was determined that I was going to pass this test to get on a career department. Finally, uh, I had a lot of people who were like, Hey, you're not going to do it. I went to do the test and I was at like the very last part. And for those that don't know, like the physical agility test, you have to do a stair climb and haul a dummy and hit with a sledgehammer. And then the one I did also involved going up a, one of their ladder trucks ladders. And I was getting to the ladder. And luckily I had a chief for that department who was a supporter of me. And you need those. You need those people who are going to support and lift you up. And he's like, mm. I can't really tell you you're not going to do this, but if you're going to do this, you're going to have to speed it up to get it done. And like, that was that little click. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I did it and managed it in just enough time. Were there different time requirements? I know in the Coast Guard, when we did our physical fitness standards, there was time requirements that we had to meet depending on gender and age. So it's kind of like the older you got, the more time you had to do things. Was it the same way? Unfortunately, it's standardized for everyone, age, gender, whatever. It's one test. They don't separate it out. Once you're in the job, as you get older, they give you a little bit more time, luckily. But when you get hired, it's the same, you know, standard of everybody that gets hired has to meet and do this test to get the job. So you beat out a whole bunch of people to get that. Yeah, it was something I put my mind to. I, I started working out. I went to the gym every single day. I'd get up with the little one at home. I'd get up by 5 a.m. So I could be at the gym by 5, 5.30, get my workout in before I go to work or before I'd have to get the kids up for the day before their dad went to work. I made that a priority so that I could get myself in shape to meet that goal. So have you kept up with those uh, secrets of success, the morning routine or those things that you're describing? I always feel better when I do. It fell out for a while. It gets easy to let our self-care go aside. We, we don't think we need to be taking care of ourselves. We're so busy taking care of others, especially as a mom. And I've recently gotten back into a morning routine of getting up every morning and getting a workout in and getting a meditation or yoga session or those things. And I feel so much better for the whole day. And I always have. And so I've finally made that a habit and made me a priority again. And again, that's that an example I can set to my children. They know like mom gets up and she has her time and that's important to her. So then they know it's okay to take time for you and make that a priority. Oh, that is so true. And so many women that I've talked to you on this podcast have that same thought. You know, I think it's interesting that there may be this idea that self-care is selfish, but really it's not because if you're not doing self-care, you can't care for anybody else. I really believe that. You mentioned yoga as part of your self-care rituals that you do, and you actually teach yoga for first responders. What is that about? Yes. So I found yoga during a rough time in my life mentally when I needed something. And I love that it's both the physical and the mental side of it. And you show up on your mats. And if you're having a rough day mentally, it'll come out on the mat and that's okay. You work through that. And so I realized this is something that would be great for 
first responders. And then I found this organization, Yoga for First Responders, and that's what they had found is yoga really was made for first responders in so many ways. We think of yoga in the Western way of yoga pants and the Ugg boots. And really yoga originally was created for warriors as warrior training, as a mental training. Uh, and that's why we start with the breath work and then they do the physical drills. And if they can master themselves in those physical drills, which some days is holding a plank for way too long, and they can tell themselves this is just a challenge, then they can do that off the mat as well. And if they can find that breath work for firefighters, especially that means you can conserve your breath in a fire when you're in a tough situation because your mind knows, oh, if I go back to this breath work, I'm going to be okay. I calm myself down, let my bottle last. Yoga for responders, the way the protocol is also ends with, they call it neurological reset, kind of a guided meditation that the guys can use when they come back from a call to get themselves to calm down, to go back to sleep, or when they're transitioning from on work to back home at the end of a shift so that they're not constantly in fight or flight because that's unfortunately where we get to be in our job. And so we need those practices to actually teach how to work out that stress, which yoga is one of the few things shown to actually work stress out of the body. So this is an actual tool they can use to work out that stress and to find that breath work. So you're providing these tools. It's something that you found, you said, when you were going through a tough time and then something that you started to incorporate into your own life and your own practice. How in the world did you get your firehouse to side off and say, yeah, we want to do this too. And do you do it just with your team or have you expanded to do it more regionally? So I do it with my department and then I've done a couple other departments. And there's quite a few departments in our area that now have yoga programs. It has begun to take off, which is great. It was hard at first. A lot of the guys are like, excuse me, yoga. Uh, and so the best way I've found to get buy-in on that from them is to explain the why. So before we ever go on the mat, we have a classroom session because if they don't understand the why, they're not going to buy into it. They're okay. We're stretching. No, no, that's not the point. The point, as every Yogi know, said, like, it's not about touching your toes. It's what happens on the way down. I don't make the classes mandatory for them, but I get really good participation, especially as the guys talk. They're like, no, that was a good class. Like you should come for the ones that don't. So you give them the why, and then you have... A couple of your team members who start to invest, and I don't know, maybe I'm making a leap here, but then they start to see how beneficial this can be. Does it start to spread like wildfire or did you feel like, like it was difficult? to start to implement that? Luckily, I have the support of my chief. And that's been great. Obviously, having the support of those above you to push it. I have a command staff that's like, no, no, we want this for our guys. We want it to be an option. Uh, and so it was a little slow at first. Now I think it's picked up. And I always tell the guys, you don't need to do any of the yoga. If you just come in and lay on your mat and breathe for the 45 minutes we're here, fine by me. You'll get something out of it. You'll hear the neurological reset at the end. You'll work on your breath work. It's a break from your day. So your superpowers include teaching yoga, saving lives, helping people, but you also have two kids, as I already mentioned, and I know that uh, one is very sports-minded and very into hockey, and you've been hosting other kids who also play hockey. How did you get into that? There's a junior hockey team in our town, and so they look for billet homes for their players. They're junior hockey teams from 16 to 20 year olds. And so we decided we'd start doing that and billet some of the players. And it's been a great experience. It's great for my son. He loves having a big hockey brother. It's given us another dynamic in our house. And then when I'm off at work, there's still, you know, stuff going on around here for everybody. Yeah, it's been fun, I guess. Yeah. And also just balancing having two kids with probably very diverse interests and in trying to get them to hockey games or to sporting events or whatever it is they're doing. Yes. <laughs> As they get older, I think every 
parent will understand they get into more things. One is very into hockey, even so that keeps us very busy from September to March. And then my daughter is a singer and two choirs. That just keeps us busy year round. We do a lot of coordinating, divide and conquer between my husband and I of getting kids to things. Like I said, organization and time management have never been my strong point. That's definitely my weakness in life, but I've learned the tricks I need to make it work. What's been the best part of all of it? Yeah. Like what's been the best part of of your journey? You've just had this incredible journey over the last couple of decades. I think I thrive obviously in all of that busy craziness and knowing that I'm out there making a difference, knowing that when I leave for work, I'm out there being of service to other people and helping people and that it's for a benefit that I can see and that my kids can see like mom goes to work because she's helping people. And that's amazing. All the things I do then with the billet kids and all that, it's all about being a good influence in other people's lives. I feel like that's the legacy we leave behind is how we've made people feel. And if people look back and talk about us 10 years after, then that's what I want to leave. So the more lives I can touch, that's what fills me up. Oh, that was amazing. That just touched my heart. But then I also have to ask you, it can all have been, you know, unicorns and rainbows. So what's been the most challenging part of the journey? Yes. No, it never is. Everything comes with challenges. Yeah. There are definitely challenges. The job has worn on me over the years, for sure, as it will anybody. 20 years of doing this. Unfortunately, we see the CD negative side of the world too. And so it's easy to kind of get that negative mindset over time. And then my kid's dad and I divorced five years ago, six years ago. So that was certainly a struggle. I was single mom for a little while with two little kids and managing it all. Uh, wow. Just my work schedule, certainly then. And lean on the support systems I had around to help me with that. So if you could tell yourself of 20 years ago, one thing, or maybe a couple of things, I don't know, what words of wisdom would you impart? I think there's always that cliche of like, you're stronger than you think you are. And that one, definitely, I probably needed to hear more when I was younger that I can do it and not to listen to the naysayers, not to let that be the voice, the negative voice be the one in my head that's always so prominent versus No, you can do it and it all will work out. It always, the world has this way of working out and it always has. And so to remind her that it will, uh, that you can do this. No, and I think that's a really good answer. And you, you said something earlier too. You said that you leaned a lot on your support system, especially when you were a single mom. I don't think that that ever goes away. You know, I think it's really important to lean in and find those people who can be your support system, those folks that you can go to for, um, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> whatever, whatever things are ebbing or flowing in our lives, right? Do you, do you feel like you still have that? Is that just your, your team at the firehouse or have you found different groups and ways to find those people? It depends on which area of my life. I mean, definitely the firehouse is a family. And so there's that support there and we're all going through the same thing. So they're great for that kind of stuff. Over time, the other support systems I've had, I find as I get older, I want more friends and people outside of the fire service too, to connect to. So it's not, it's not everything. Uh, that is a problem when we get into that job. It's one of those jobs that can all consume you and all of your friends are in and all of that. And so I want some of that separation too, especially when I go home. Uh, and it's hard. It's hard for all of us to ask for help. I struggled with that. And then when I was a single mom, I really had to learn. It's okay. Like ask for help. It, you're going to need it. And people aren't judging you the way you think they are. You need the help and people want to help. You gotta always put yourself in that their position. If they asked you, would you help them? Well, of course. And I wouldn't think twice about it, but we have such a hard time doing that ourselves. So I really had to do that and open up to my family more for the, the help and find those friends 
friends. I found other moms that lived near me that could help me out with the kids, some other single moms that could relate to what it's like. That varied group for a support system, I feel, is what is important in the balance. You need like those three to five close that you can always call on and confide on in anything. But then there's other groups that, you know, they get benefits from you and you get benefits from them in different areas of your life. That is so true. And I think that as we grow, we also grow our circles. You find that you have different hobbies. I know that when I left the Coast Guard, I didn't want to be labeled as just a veteran and only have my group be veterans. So it was putting myself out there and finding different groups that were of interest to me. And therefore I found friends and ladies and couples and people whom I connected with in various aspects of my life. And I think it goes exactly to what you're saying. That's all about balance. It is. Balance is hard, but it's important. So you've talked a lot about stress. We definitely have talked about stress. And I would imagine that your job is totally wrought with the unexpected, never knowing what you're going to face day to day when you go to work. So what is your best advice that you would give for managing stress and dealing with the unexpected. Yes. Every day is different. It's one of the things I always loved about the job. Like you don't know what the day is going to break. It's not predictable. That does also come with its challenges. So I do try to schedule in times. Uh, My crew even knows like Carrie goes and walks on the treadmill for an hour every day. And it's not because Carrie wants to go walk and exercise. It's that's Carrie's time. That's my one hour a shift where I kind of reset and mentally it's just me. And I've put on a stupid Netflix show and just walk. Uh, So I think it's important about prioritizing those things for you and letting the people around you know, like this is a priority for me. And so they'll allow that to be. And they'll also be the ones that check in on you. Like they know when it's a tough day, they're like, hey, Carrie, you want to go for a walk? Yes. Yes, I do. I think it's important is trying to make sure that you keep up your self-care routines, that you make yourself still a priority because as I've said, and I know it's been brought up on your podcast previously, it's a common thread that you can't pour from an empty cup. So you do have to fill yourself up in order to give to others. I actually love that that's a common thread because I love that so many different women are echoing and saying the same thing. And we are all collectively saying we are investing in our self-care. And here's some practical, very tangible things that that we can do. I mean, you've mentioned a whole bunch on the podcast. You said you meditate, you take an hour on the treadmill, you do yoga. You know, it's just a matter of, I think what works for you and what you realize helps bring down those stress levels. Somebody had told me, you know, when you look at your money budget, your budget should reflect what's important to you. And I think the same should be true of your day and your time budget. When you look at how you spend your time, that also should portray what's important to you. If you're spending three hours a day on Facebook and it's really just depressing you, well, then spend that time doing something else. It's hard, hard to take that hard look at ourselves of where we spend our time, just like where we spend our money and making sure that we put it towards what's important for us. That is a great Great point. You know, another stressor, um, we're moving into this new year and I feel like sometimes we can set unrealistic expectations or resolutions that uh, maybe get resolved by not doing them by the end of January or February. As we go into 2024 now, what's next for you? Anything that you are wanting to achieve? I want to keep up my morning routines and be better about it this year. I want to make sure to include a mindset of gratitude and thankfulness into the next year so that I can switch that mindset to positive things over the negative, like we talked about. Uh, And I think, like I said before, I'm really ready to kind of move my career maybe towards more education. I want to be more of service that way. I also want to do more where I'm of service to other first responders. I think my 23 years of experience, that's a way for me to use all of that I've learned for all of these newer paramedics coming up into the world. So do you have a word 
for 2024? I think I'm going to go with gratitude. That's an amazing word. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So we talked about short-term. How about bucket list things? What's on your bucket list? There's a lot of traveling I still need to do in the world. That's always on my bucket list. My husband and I are supposed to go to Jamaica for our anniversary this year. So I'm pretty excited for that. But I've never been over to Europe and I want to see that. Australia has been on my bucket list since I was like five years old. So I need to make that happen someday. And then I just want a nice, quiet, peaceful life as life goes on. I want to be the best mom I can be. So hopefully my kids still want me in their lives as they get older and I get to watch them grow and be parents themselves and the amazing people they are. That's a good bucket list. I love travel. I have a lot of Irish and Scottish roots, so I need to get over there and see some of that. Oh, Scotland's an amazing place. Now, I've never been to Ireland. That's on my bucket list, actually, but Scotland is beautiful. You'll love it. I think we need to plan a girl's trip to Ireland then. I think we should. That sounds like an amazing plan. Let's add that to the bucket list. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for taking time to speak with all of us today. You clearly have a passion for serving others and you are making such a huge difference in a lot of lives. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I can't wait to see where this next year takes you. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk with you and happy new year to everybody. And listeners, thank you too for joining us today. Be sure to like the show, subscribe, and you can even leave a comment. So I'll be back next week with another episode of Two Gals and a Mic and another extraordinary woman who's making an impact. We'll see you then.